You're listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Get the scoop on Tigers today. Listening to Tigers SRD on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here on SportsRadioDetroit.com. I'm Roger Chill alongside with Chris Brown as we sit in on a day where a lot of schools were canceled because of slush and ice and what have you. And I don't know how it was in your neck of the woods, Chris, but over here it wasn't too bad, but the it was definitely more slush than ice. Yeah, you know, I didn't, uh, they canceled school here, so I stayed home from work, so I didn't have to drive down to Ann Arbor, um, and we only, we went out one time around noon to go to Costco, and my son, he, he likes to pee every time he goes outside, I don't know what it is, uh, Marcus territory or whatever, but uh, he's, yeah, he'll be five next week, just in case people are wondering if he's like 24 and peeing outside, um, <laughs> but he, yeah, man, he, he slipped Immediately slipped up the ice and fell down and laughed. So that was about it for us. I had actually, you know, I heard that they closed the airport and yeah. I was laughing. And then I found out like I had like, it affected like three of my friends. Ooh, yikes. So hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, Mother nature's a bitch. So by the way, you're listening to us on Tiger Sesterday on the Overtime Media Network. You can find us now at tickstown.com. Uh, of course, sportsradiodetroit.com or wherever else you listen to fine podcasts. Coming up tonight on the second half of the show, and that may be two shows depending on how much content we can provide out there, but Jason Woodall of Prospects Live, he's a co-founder of Prospects Live, we'll be talking to him, talking about his recent Tiger pro- Top Prospects, some of his favorites, um, some of the re- recent lists he's come out with, so we'll, we'll get to that a little later. So, uh, Tiger News, we'll get into that right now as really it's been kind of like a, a baseball in the offseason season. Has been uneventful, but now as we get closer to the end of January, you're going to start seeing more news and start seeing roster updates. And the Tigers announced today, or announced yesterday rather, that their uh, top prospect, Casey Mize, is going to be joining them at spring training. He'll be getting a major league uh, uh, invite to the camp. So we'll ask Cameron, Jake Robson, and Danny Woodrow will be getting a chance. And also, uh, welcome back. Uh, to the fold, the AL Central fold, uh, Gordon Beckham will get a chance. He'll be competing for a job. For, so 20 non-roster invitees that will be uh, or, or part of that, of course, um, three of the members of the top ten prospects per MLB pipeline. So you're talking here, Mize, Cameron, we just mentioned, Funkhauser, Jake Rogers, uh, Franklin Perez, Stewart, Castro, Dustin Peterson, who they got from the Braves, Gregory Soto, Lugo, Alcantara, Matt Hall, and Turnbull. And some of the um, – also, Zach Houston, Paul Volcker uh, will also get non-roster, non-roster invites. So uh, quite a bit of the top prospects will be there. And, you know, Chris, this is a kind of – some of the, in some of the position battles that will take place. Well, of course, we'll talk about that as we get closer to the camp. But – any names that surprise you at all? No, not really. I, I mean, they usually pile the bodies in there the first couple of weeks of spring training, especially you know, pitchers and catchers, because they need you know lots of guys to catch and lots of guys to, to throw, and they don't want their pitchers going more than like an inning or two to start. So, um, yeah, I mean, there was there was some question about Mize uh, getting invited, but we thought he would just because you know they did it with Fado, Fado last year and. and Give him an early taste of uh, big league camp, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Of all the guys you named, I don't really picture any of them actually competing for a job on the team this year. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. Uh, we might see some of them later this year. I think he did. You mention Turnbull. Yes, he did. Yep. Yes. So he's he's a guy that that I could see theoretically winning a job in either the rotation or the bullpen. But beyond that, I, I don't know. I don't see uh, – I mean, I suppose you could also go crazy and say, you know, Jake Rogers has the, the spring of a lifetime and, and gets in there, but I doubt it, you know, it's given that they want to start him back at double-A. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, – I don't know. It's 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 nice. 
you mentioned how cold and slushy it was, and, and it's nice to think about spring training and, and seeing some of these prospects who might be part of the future. Uh, just getting a chance to get a look at them for a little bit before they head off to uh, minor league camp. Yeah. Um, because even like yeah. uh, the Tigers who signed Hector Sanchez, who I kind of did a who, and then of course uh, I was reminded that he won two World Series. But um, <laughs> the full the full list looks like this for non roster invitees that I didn't mention. It is uh, Jose Cicero, uh, Lewis Coleman comes back in the camp, uh, Eduardo Paredes, another Paredes, uh, Chris Smith, some of these uh, veteran cast-offs. And then catching-wise, you just talked about Dick Rogers, but he's got Hector Sanchez. By the way, when did the Tigers sign Brad Polisini? Brady Policelli. He, he, yeah. uh, he was three years ago in the draft. I Maybe don't... two years out of, out of thousand. He. Uh... Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Was he at West Michigan? He was at West Michigan when we saw him. What he was, was he? at West Michigan, and, and yeah, he, that's right. they basically they started playing him all over the place. He was playing second base, outfield, everywhere because he's a pretty athletic kid. I think he was a shortstop in college. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. Like, but you know, like again, it's they need all the catchers they can get, but it's probably going to be pretty cool for him to be be there. Yeah, Kate uh, Kate Savecki, um, the former Tiger. Or, Brave, Tiger, then Brave, then back to being a Tiger, and Bobby Wilson, who they signed. And then yep. uh, Harold Castro will get to see him, Cody Eves, and Pete Cosma, who, by the way, has been playing in the Australian Baseball League, which we'll get to that. There will be a hint about that a little later. And then the outfielders we just mentioned already. So, um, And then we move on to a little bit to uh, Isaac Paredes, who right now is in the Mexican Pacific Coast League right now, or La Liga Mexicana de Pacifico, if you want to get my Spanish out there. Um, so there it is. Uh, so far his numbers and he's playing for, is it the, um, oh crap. Is it the Guanenos de Lomoches? Obregón. Oh, is it, is it Ob oh no. Yeah. The, uh, Yaquis de Obregón. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's Obregón or Obregón, but, uh. Obregón, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that yeah. home run, yeah, that home run was a nice one. Yeah. You know, he's been, he's been doing what you would hope he would do. Uh, down against the, the Mexican League competition, he he's hitting well in the playoffs. He I think he had uh, he had like four doubles last week. Before this week, you know, he hit a homer the other day, and he went one for three last night with a walk and a strikeout. And it's it's fun to see you know video of him crushing a bomb. But it, it, I do you know want to remind people that uh, that pitch came off of uh, it came off of Luis Ivan Rodriguez. Who you may remember from nowhere, because he's a <laughs> twenty-two-year-old, five-foot-nine pitcher with a career like five-six ERA in the Mexican League. Um, so this isn't this isn't the best of the best down there. But as we always say, putting up stats is better than not putting up stats. So yeah, and yeah exactly. Uh, and and in Paredes, I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk about him a fair amount tonight. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he can hit. So yeah, and I have the audio. Good. I have the audio right here. What's that? I have the audio right here. I was actually playing. I was just oh. playing. I'm about to play the home run right now for you folks. He went the other way. He had a three-run homer for those translating at home, which I can do for you. That's the audio courtesy of the Mexican League. He's yeah, his postseason average right now is three fifty four. Impressive. Yeah, no, he's he's uh he's hitting the shit out of the ball, as you would hope he would. And so uh, Yeah, I mean he's like ten years younger than most of the players in the Mexican <laughs> league, but he's also significantly better. <laughs> so is it the is the equivalency of what? Double A ball? Is that what the Mexican well, League Well they is? it's actually well the Mexican Pacific League, I don't know, but but the Mexican league is generally considered triple A. That's what uh, I thought, yeah. I let's think it's it's designated AAA. I don't think the competition level is quite AAA. But there are a lot of like older veterans. You go down and look at, at some of the stats in the Mexican League and they're absurd. I think probably because it's like playing in, in Colorado, but warmer for a lot of these places. You know, like Mexico City's two thousand the elevation's two thousand feet higher than Denver. So and it's, you know, probably thirty degrees warmer. So um yeah. But but they they call it AAA. I don't know what the true level of competition is. It's a different kind of baseball. There's a lot of junk ballers and and stuff like that. 
Yeah, and, and a, lot, a lot of those guys, too, are... I, I know what the... You see more and more baseball, like, in terms of a major leaguers sprinkled in, in the winter league because it's a little different than the normal Mex- uh, Mexican league, correct? Yeah. 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 These are... Yeah, these... I mean, that's another thing to to recognize. I mean, these these games actually do matter to these teams, right? Like, it's not. Whereas the minor league, you know, all of the minor leagues, it's all about developing players. You know, now the to those teams and to those players, the games still matter. But a team, you know, a team's not going to be like, well, we, you know, Lakeland really, we want to get them a playoff berth, so we're going to keep you down there instead of bumping up to Double A where you can get better. Um, but we see, you know, these games matter, and and so I think it's noteworthy that that Paredes has been playing DH there because they find that there are better defensive options, um, which is not a huge surprise to us, but uh, just something to, to keep in mind. You know, this is the defensive ability is probably going to put a cap on Paredes. Uh, we just don't know how, you know, how far far down the cap is going to push. Yeah, and and again too, it's like we're we've talked about this. In where he's gonna where he's gonna be at Brandon Brandon Day from Bless You Boys thinks third base and uh, I I still think with the Tigers gap at second base just that tremendous he uh, might out there we'll, we'll see and and there's still I'm just interested to see what's gonna happen we're, gonna, we're yeah he's gonna come up a lot more later on uh, with Jason Woodle and and part of our next segment which uh, actually I think we you know what Chris let's say, let's save that our new segment for the the last. Uh, after we talk to Jason, you want to look, let's <laughs> right, do that? Yeah. Good. So, yeah, we have a new segment coming out called "Look What Slid in Our DM." So, uh, Brendan Day come up with a uh, Brendan Day. Uh, the idea started actually with our Twitter chat. We have a Twitter inbox, and we talk baseball the entire time. Or Mark's yelling at somebody. I'm not really sure what happens all the time, but uh, well, Mark's not yelling at somebody. Um, <laughs> we are talking baseball in there, and so we have some topics in there, especially because baseball prospects prospectus came out their top 101 prospects mm-hmm. in Baseball Americas. And so we'll be talking a little more about that a little later because actually that's going to be very, very uh, third segment heavy. So uh, that'll be part of the third segment. And also um, Saturday night on MLB Network, they're going to be talking their the top 100 prospects. They'll be debuted, I believe, it's Saturday night, I, I think, at 7 yeah. o'clock. So more on that. But let's go into our regular segments before we talk to Jason, which is uh, I'll start with the Inside the Numbers, the Hall of Fame edition. Um, for myself, because first and foremost, the Hall of Fame vote was yesterday, and of course, Chris has said, and I, you know, quote, I don't want to quote yourself, but you really could paraphrase you, of course, that you really don't care. Yeah, that would be uh, that's could be in my good, bad, and ugly. All right, so uh, Hall of Fame edition of these, you know, so Mario Rivera becoming the first ever become one hundred percent unanimous to get into the Hall of Fame. Edgar Martinez, which I'm really happy about, Roy Holiday, and Mike Messina. So those are your Hall of Fame. And um, I don't know why Donald Trump was trying to put Kurt Schilling and vote for him. I don't understand that. But... I know why. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> well yeah. Like, uh... <laughs> we, we talked before about how I wanted Schilling to go in the Baseball Hall of Fame and also be one of the inaugural members of the Asshole Hall of Fame. Yeah. No. <laughs> which uh, which I will uh, I will happily curate. <laughs> No, there's a there's a that that Hall of Fame is uh pretty pretty significant. But um the number I have is eighteen. And the reason why I bring up the number eighteen is because you look at some of the Hall of Famers and I and I wrote this down earlier and I, I wrote this down at work and I wrote like the entire sheet of players behind it, but I, I remember enough of it. But essentially you look at the, the, the pitchers that have gone in the Hall of Fame recently. So you look at Smoltz, Glavin, uh Burt Bylevin, Jack Morris and uh, even Pedro Martinez, and there was a couple others in there in that, in that recent class, in the least couple classes, and they all have one thing in common. And if you do the average, it's about 18 seasons that each pitcher has pitched. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason why I thought that was significant is because right now, the, the way pitchers are going to be going to the Hall of Fame right now is going to be completely different than, you know, you automatically knew that with Glavin, Glavin won 300 games. Maddox won 300 games. Uh, Smoltz, I can't remember. Did he? He didn't win 300 because he spent those years as a, as a closer, but That's I think right. he was over 200. I think he's in the 250 range. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, 18 season, eighteen seems like to be the, the number that seems to be like the the Hall of Fame kind of, like, I guess, maybe 
will be the longevity factor for pitchers going forward because that's something that can tie perhaps the pitchers that are going in recently and they'll go to now. Um, Mike Messina, um, by the way, has pitched. I mean, he he was uh, was it the twenty? Yeah, he, he had sixteen. Or was it? Um, yeah, I think he pitched twenty. It was, it was seventeen. 17 well, let's see, ninety-one to two thousand eight. That's uh, I'll do my math. That should here. be seventeen or eighteen, really. Yeah, that's one. yeah, it's right in that. Yeah, it's right in that wheel. It's close to it's seventeen seasons. Um, but it might, like I said, that that might that number seems to be a common number among the the ones that have been recently. But uh, Messina's numbers, another number that wanted to bring out too is uh, twenty-five starts or twenty-five. He had 16 seasons, at least 25 starts or more, which is impressive. But 18 was the number I wanted to bring up uh, because just longevity, it, it really factors into it. And that's one. I think that's one thing, Chris, going forward that will be a consistent among baseball, uh, among pitchers going to the Hall of Fame. Would you agree? That they have to – well, I think they always – other than like your Sandy Koufaxes, and longevity is a pretty big factor for just about – anybody making the hall of fame, you know, it's, it's part of it is, is luck and staying healthy. And, and part of it is just being good for a long time. Uh, or, you know, like I, I would argue that Mike Messina was never truly great. He had a couple, it seemed like he was always flirting with a no, no hitter or a perfect game, uh, but would always lose it. But he was really damn good for a long time. And, and that's where the longevity comes in. I think, you know, like you, you see some pitchers, like I think Cliff Lee is going to be on the ballot next year, and he was legitimately great for like a four or five year stretch, but he didn't have a very long career, and I don't think he's going to get a whole lot of consideration. So I think, uh, I think your point is well taken, well well made, and well taken by me. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, longevity is going to be a big factor of it, and I, and I think the win totals people are just going to have to get used to. Hey, nobody's going to get three hundred wins again. Maybe Sabathia. I don't know. I don't know how close he is. Um, I think but like 250, two- I think, is going to be pretty hard to reach, too. I think Verlander will get there, maybe Grinky. Um, I, th- I think, uh, I think uh, CC is like in the 250, 260 range, maybe. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, so he's not going to win no. 40 games this year. Yeah, and, and not to mention. <laughs> Let's see. No, and not to We're mention. Gonna, uh, the, the, yeah, 246. So, yeah, 250 wins and uh, like 3,000. I think 3,000 strikeouts will still be a, an interesting number, although I think a lot of people will join that. Uh, and then relatively near future just because the strikeouts are, are so so prevalent in today's game. No, you're right. And uh, before we get to your inside numbers, another one that stood out to me was in terms of light, like top, he never won a Cy Young, but the people he lost out to, Dennis Eckersley, Hall of Fame, David Cohn, not in the Hall of Fame, Randy Johnson, uh, Hall of Fame, Pat Hennigan, which I forgot, um, that he lost out to former uh, Frazier native and Blue Jay ace, Pedro Martinez, Hall of Fame, and Roger Clemens, Yet to be determined. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, what is your inside of numbers, Chris? Uh, mine was three, which is uh, the number of the total number number of free agent contracts this offseason that have uh, a, a total value of fifty million or more. It's wow. Patrick Corbin, Nate Ivaldi, and Andrew McCutcheon. That's it so far. And I assume we're going to see two more with with Machado and Harper. But after that, I have no idea. Um, like Dallas Keuchel and AJ Pollock to probably deserve it. I don't know if they're going to get it. Doesn't seem like it. Uh, and so I was just looking at it. contrast that with three years ago, the 2015 2016 free agent class had 14 guys get 50 million total, um, and maybe it was that class that has kind of helped change the way things are going right now. Because well, here's the class: uh, David Price and Zach Greinke each got 200 million plus, um, and they've been solid. Uh, Jason Hayward got 180 million, and if you're keeping track since then, he's put up uh, 4.1 WAR, the same as Cameron Maben. So that's not great. Um, Chris Davis got 160 million, and he has put up negative 0.1 WAR since then. That's 233rd out of 236 qualified batters since then, ahead of only, I think. Um, Pujols, Victor Martinez, and, uh, you know, some random guy. Gerardo Parra, I think. Um, Justin Upton has been pretty good. He and Johnny Cueto both got $130 million. Cueto has been hurt. Uh, Upton's put up like 10 more, which is solid. You know, he's like three and a half, four wins per season. It, that's, that's nice. 
Jordan Zimmerman got 110 million that year. He has uh, been hundredth uh, out of 120 pitchers since then. 3.2 WAR. Uh, let's see what else. Jeff Samarja got 90 million. Wei Yin Chen and Mike Leake got 80 million. Cespedes got 75 million. Alex Gordon and Ian Kennedy got 70 million apiece, and Ben Zobrist got 60 or 56 million. So that's 14 guys who got uh, a lot of money, and uh, most of them haven't pitched all that well. Grinky has been 15th in, in pitcher war since then, which is fine. Price has been 25th. Leak is 35th, which is pretty impressive. But but yeah, Upton is the top hitter at 10.2 war, and he's ranks 41st over that time. So yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, value for the money spent that that offseason, and it's just uh, it's just kind of we we talk about this all the time. You know the the way that money is is changing but it's just it's kind of amazing to look at it in just three years ago how stark the difference was i mean how much would mike Leake be getting this offseason <laughs> or even for that matter i mean drew pa- uh, well the drew parliament's thing kind of put me out today but um yeah that's i have that in my ugly too yeah that's uh yeah that's gonna be uh yeah that that, that that's saying something but no I, I, can you imagine something along the lines for bidding war i think there might be a, a more of a bidding war for sunny gray i mean the the fact is like the reason why I say that is because Sonny Gray, I mean, the Reds, I thought that the, the, they, they talked about the Reds giving up too much, but I think the Reds played it right only because there's not many, I mean, outside of the Cardinals doing some things in that division and the Brewers, the rest of the NL Central has been kind of quiet, and at least the Reds are trying to be competitive, and I'll give them credit for that, at least trying to do stuff and be creative, and Gray might be their fourth or fifth guy, and that, that, that rotation's shaping up to be it's still about a year or two away, but the Reds have so much good talent in their system right now that Gray can kind of be a good supplement to it. Yeah, you know, I saw an interesting tweet today that somebody was pointing out that their the Reds' entire rotation is made up of guys who would probably be better served throwing their breaking balls more often. So it's it's you wonder if uh, if they might actually head that direction and they've got a plan here, or if they're just uh, you know trying to do something after years of not competing. But it is it is nice to see smaller mid-market teams actually try, you know, make moves, which, uh, you know, we haven't seen around here. Yeah, and, yeah, no one's been really creative. So uh, I'll start with my uh, good, bad, and ugly real quick because yours seems like it's really ugly. <laughs> the way I, 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 I'm envisioning it. So this weekend, the good, by the way, is if you are interested in, in watching baseball – and you miss having baseball on your screen, you're in your luck. So this weekend is the um, Australian base, the Australian League's playoffs, and you can watch all the games live for free on abltv.com. It sounds like I'm doing a promotion, but I'm not. But I've been really been Jones for some baseball. Starts Friday night at seven o'clock, which I believe is Australian time. Which right now I don't know the time difference at the moment. It's thirteen point five in the morning, I believe here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I don't know what the yeah it's. I don't know what the time is, but I'm sure we can figure it out. All right, you figure out your, you know, you, you figure out if you're Jones for baseball. Some highlights of the mentioning Tristan Gray, who is, uh, I believe, number 40 on the, the Rays prospect list, batting 375 uh, for the Perth Heat, as it's the Perth Heat and the Sydney Blue Sox are taking mm-hmm. on each other for the, I believe it's, yeah, this is for the, t- t- I believe this is for the, yeah, the championship series. So. Um, yeah, so that's good. If you were interested in baseball, the, um, the team that like was interesting was, is that, uh, the Blue Sox hit 313 in the final three rounds. Um, and the Heath averaged 6.8 runs per game at home. So, uh, it should be a good matchup. So if you're interested in watching baseball, if you are Jones and really bad for it, go for it. I would suggest doing so. And I plan on actually watching some Australian baseball league this weekend. So, um, bad. It's not baseball related. CBS decided to ban the medical week commercial, um, on soup on the big game. I don't want to get sued for saying whatever that, you know, things going on. Um, but apparently beer and we, uh, commercials for, uh, boner pills are cool. So, um, I thought that was bad. They're, they're encouraged. Yes, absolutely. And the ugly, and I'm getting, you know, like I said, my goal this year is to, evolve as a host and continue to learn 
more and more about some advanced analytics, and I'm, I'm starting to like this one a lot because you guys have been talking about it quite a bit um, out there and among, among our, our, our group of friends, if you will, but the collective um, weighted runs uh, WRC, mm-hmm. which... Um, Chris, weighted runs created. Yeah, weighted runs created. So, yeah, I was going to say, if you want to explain it at home, um, it measures the offensive value in, in relation to league average, which is 100, and therefore... Good for putting individual hitters and whole offenses on common sales. So Bleach Report did that today, or released it yesterday, and I thought it would be interesting to mention. So what's ugly is the bottom three teams. The Orioles with that huge contract of an inflated contract of Chris Davis have a collective weighted runs created at WRC plus at 84. Um, last year they finished last um, in runs and second to last in WRC plus. So, um, and that's with Machado half the season. So you can think about that too. Um, that you talk about the Tigers lacking power. This team is the worst. So congratulations on that. Um, the Marlins come in at number 29 with 97. Um, if Romalto gets traded, they're, they're, they're hosed. Yeah. Apparently the Dodgers are still in talks with them. So. Yeah, we'll see if that – yeah, again, it confirms what we talked about last week, that trades are seemingly the way to go. Um, teams are not really – the, 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 that's how they're doing. They're not really strengthened through free agency. I thought that – yeah, anyways. Um, Giants coming at 20, 28, which, by the way, funny story about the Giants. They released Mike Kerber before he even came to camp. Yes, he's been DFA'd. Well, how does that happen, Chris? Well, they apparently uh, saw someone else they liked more and – you know, it, it it's funny how players, you know, it, you see this in fantasy a, a, a sports a lot too, where somebody like that's that's your guy. We drafted him; he's our guy, and you reluctantly designate him and hope nobody takes him, and somebody does, and you feel sad. And the other team takes him, and it's like, oh, this guy's no good. Who cares? It's like they 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 can be objective about it, and uh, it happens. But to, yeah, my prediction is that he will be back with the Tigers organization shortly. Or you failing that, you know, maybe the Cardinals organization because he grew up a Cardinals fan. Yeah, go back home. He's from the Creighton area, which is uh, that's Missouri. That is that is Missouri. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I bring this up: the Giants are at ninety-one, uh, and then your Detroit Tigers coming at number twenty-seven with a collective uh, weight uh, WRC plus at ninety-eight. So if you think about it, if Nick Castellanos is traded away. Um, if Cabrera gets hurt again, yeah, they're they're hosts. Uh, you're you're banking on Candelario, Stewart, and Goodrum. Yep, and maybe Mercer. Nah, no, I'm right. That's a, that's even yeah, a stretch. Yeah. But uh, when healthy though, I mean, I mean, if you really think about it though, Chris, I mean, if if they have Cassianos, you have Miguel at you know eighty or 90, even eighty percent, and I mean, mm-hmm. Christian Stewart's been considered a breakout candidate. That's actually a pretty decent lineup in the AL Central in terms of middle of the order. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're getting, you know, ex- assumed production from those guys, it's not the worst. It's the rest of the lineup that looks like a real black hole. I mean, they've they've got yeah a decent three or four spots, but uh, yeah, after that, it's it gets ugly really quickly. Yeah, and you don't know what you're gonna get from Candelario. And again, Chris, I, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna say this. I said this once, and I'll say it again. I think Candelario this year. I made a prediction last year where I said he would hit like 27, 28 home runs or 30 home runs and hit 278. I was way off on the average. However, he did hit he hit 20 home runs. So power wise, I think if he's back to health, I think Canelario is still gonna. I think he's gonna get better offensively. He's gonna get better offensively. I, I think so, but I'm not putting any numbers out there for it. But I I, I know this. I think Canelario is gonna make another step going forward. Is it, might, it might be a big step. It might be a small step, but. Some, I think there'll be some marginal level of improvement. Um, I think he's, yeah, that's the hope. Yeah, you, you hope that, that he can adjust, uh, and that his issues last year were injury related. And the injury's gone, and they weren't the league figuring him out. Because if that's the case, then then he might have some trouble. Yeah, exactly. So, without further ado, Chris, what is your good, bad, and ugly this evening? Uh, yeah, my good was quick. It was the Hall of Fame class. Uh, I like the four guys who went in. I'm happy for them. Rivera, Musina, Halliday, Edgar Martinez, good players. Absolutely. Uh, good for them. My bad is Hall of Fame arguments. I hate them all. Uh, <laughs> PDs, DH, closer, character clause. Everybody, you know, there's so much. 
it's all this consternation over a bullshit club started by some writers. Um, would you would you, would you, would you would you be fair to say though, Chris, that our argument about uh, or our discussion about uh, Harold Baines a couple of weeks ago was much more valid than those? Yeah, I mean, he just nothing about Harold Baines ever struck me as being Hall of Fame as as a great player. Um, it, it was just kind of odd. But again, like like I said, it's and that just kind of sort of proves my point. This is just a, a weird club that certain people will let you in. It's no different. When I was a kid, I had a club uh, where we climbed trees and ate Doritos. That was the whole point of our club. <laughs> there were three of us. And at one point, someday, you know, this was probably a, a club that lasted about a week. We decided to kick one of the kids out. And we changed it to, to like, literally from, like, the Dorito Tree Club to the No Ryan's Club. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's basically what the Hall of Fame is. With fewer Doritos, possibly more. I don't know. It, it's just a club started by the writers, and and, and you think about it, like Mariano, Mariano Rivera, great player, one of the, probably the best closer of all time. Why is he the first player to get a, a unanimous? Why is he there for, for uh, you know, but on every ballot? It doesn't make any sense. Like if you took the entire Hall of Fame and were drafting them one by one, based on you know pretending that that. They'd all be as good now as they were when they played. When would you take Rivera? You take him like twenty fifth at the, the top at the earliest, you know, like a closer. You know, it's not that valuable. But there he is, the first unanimous guy. So I know it's it's a strange club, and uh, I don't know. It, it, to me, the Hall of Fame is really it. It all it, it just seems kind of pointless to me. Like we're what we're arguing about. Is is well, I'll give you an example. Like I, I know the name Luke Appling, Luke, Luke Appling. I know he's a Hall of Famer. I have no idea what he did, who he is, what position he was. Shortstop uh, for the White Sox. Yeah, I just don't care. I don't care at all. And I guarantee you, in 50 years, no one's going to give a shit about Craig Biggio. And so basically, what we're arguing about is is somebody you know over who's going to know a name in 60 years. Some blogger in 60 years of baseball still around is going to be down in his basement going, I don't know who, who Craig Biggio is, whatever. Um, so, yeah, it just all seems very pointless to me. But, uh, you know, people like arguments. No, you're right. And that, that the whole narrative, too, gets a little a little bit old with some of the arguments that people have made. And I, I've fallen trapped into it, and I, 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 would just, I won't do it anymore. I, I will not do it. I, I, only because, you're right, Chris, it just is pointless. It really is. It, it's pointless. And it's, I I don't want a club, it's a club, it, yeah, made up club that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you know. I'm sure it's a great honor for these players. Why fans argue about it is beyond me. Um, in my ugly, just a real quick, was the uh, the contracts the veterans are getting now. That the three examples, uh, relatively recently, Drew Pomeranz, we just talked about it. He sucked last year, but he's 30 and he put up seven WAR the two years before that, and he's getting one year and, and 1.5 million dollars. I mean, it could up, be up to five, but still, that's insane to me. Brian Dozier, uh, he signed a little while ago. He's 31. He sucked last year, too. The, the two years before that, he put 11 wins on the table. 11. And he got one year and $9 million. And then as Dribble Cabrera, what I tweeted about yesterday, he, he was actually pretty good last year. Like 2.7 war, according to Fangraphs. He struggled a little bit when he got traded to Philly, but he's been worth about eight wins over the last three years. And he gets one year and $3.5 It's like, man, are these veterans getting squeezed. And it's it's crazy to me, and I don't uh, I don't know. I mean, there's so many guys still out there who who haven't signed, and I'm just I, I feel like these dollar signs are just going to keep getting lower. Like Jose Iglesias is going to sign for like six hundred thousand dollars. So it's ugly. It's ugly out here for these vets. Yeah, and you know what's interesting too is that no nothing nothing zero zap in, interest in in Jose Iglesias. Do you think he just did not read the market well? Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure, and I'm sure whatever uh, kept the Tigers from keeping him, they weren't shy about sharing with other executives. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's, that, uh, that, that probably plays a part with it. So, But, uh, anywho, um, yeah, it's – either way, that's a, that's a good, bad, and ugly, um, especially because these contracts, we've talked about this since we've come back from the break, and it, it's just – Still, there's no there's no real changes in anything signed. So, so all right. So coming up after the break, 
We'll be talking to Jason Woodle, who is the co-founder of Prospects Live, and you can find him at Twitter at Jason at the game. Uh, we'll be talking to him, talking prospects, maybe a little hip-hop. Who knows at this point? You're listening to Tigers SRD on the Overtime Media Network. We'll be back after the break. All right, Fred. So the people at Sports Radio Detroit want us to cut a promo for Parsons and Slow. I want them to cut me a check for Parsons and Slow. Well, um, I've I've Googled some keywords, and I'm going to uh, put them here in a promo. So so here it goes. Ready, Fred? Yeah. Uh, analytics away. Parsons and Slow. We have the content consumers crave. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, anywhere else that podcasts are available or will kill you. We won't really kill you. Just listen to our podcast, brand new, every Friday on Sports Radio Detroit. Okay, I'm ready to do the promo. Oh, that was it. All right, welcome back to Tigers SRD here on SportsRadioDetroit.com. So, we, okay, so essentially when we recorded this, uh, we started at about uh, the, the segment with Jason. Th- again, thank you so much. Uh, thank you to Jason. Uh, you can find yeah. Jason Goodall at Jason at the game, and he is the co-founder of Prospects Live. So originally, here's here's what happened. So we thought, okay, you know, we'll have him on we'll, the second segment, 30, 45 minutes. It ended up being an hour and 30 minutes. And so now it is the time of the recording now is 11.37. So the second part of you can find – it was so good, so well done by Jason, and Jason brought it, and he brought a ton of wealth of knowledge that we're actually going to put this podcast, we're going to make two separate podcasts. So right now, you're just listening to the first part, where you just heard us talk about the good, bad, and ugly, and you can hear a new segment now. But if you want to hear the podcast with Jason, that's going to be separate, and uh, we'll have that on a separate link. So you have double the content this week. So uh, if you enjoy hip-hop, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Chris, what were you going to say? Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah didn't mean to cut you off there i just yeah i mean he's one of the best guests we've ever had in terms yeah. of information and, and interesting opinions and backing it up and and uh i really can't recommend you know last week for our, our uh inside the numbers i talked about parker meadows's uh home run distance and i got that from their site prospects live they, they brought on a guy who developed some way to to estimate fly ball distance from that site otherwise i I'd, I'd never would have known that so uh they got a really cool tool there where you can play around with all sorts of stuff and find like 30 day rolling averages for WRC plus, like you mentioned earlier and, and all that good stuff. So yeah. And on top of that, they have all these great prospect lists. So I, mean, I don't want to pimp it too hard, but it's a really nice site and I hope people uh, latch onto it. No, we, we definitely should pip it because I mean the video on there, the video quality is outstanding too. It's like, it's really well done. And, and, and people who do the video is the people who do go out there and do that work. It's, it's tough work to get good video because of the angles they're given and what have you. So, um, but either way, um, it was, it was went a little longer than I expected, but not a bad thing, not a bad thing whatsoever. And, um, I'm pretty, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we even enjoyed talking and God, we, we, we talked about rap and we talked about life and it was, uh, it was good. Yeah. All very interesting. It was definitely uh, wheelhouses too. So, um, it's, it's, it's great. So, at any rate, let's uh, let's finish up and talk. The today was released, and uh, Chris silly pointed out the Baseball America's top 100 prospects came out, and the Baseball Prospectus top 101 came out. So uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about the Baseball America one, which features I don't know nine Devil Rays or excuse me nine Rays and nine Padre prospects, the most and. The Tigers only had one on the top 100. Is that correct? It was uh, just Mize, right? No, no the, the Tigers had three on Baseball America. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so the, the 101, it was the just one, correct? Yeah, just Casey Mize. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, we could talk about the Baseball America one first because it was pretty standard. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they are considered the industry standard. But sometimes they tend to lean a little conservative. Like, they won't push – the super toolsy kid in rookie ball who hasn't shown much yet, but like hasn't shown much outside of rookie ball. They won't, they tend not to push guys like that unless it's like a, a Uber stud like Wander Franco or something. Um, but they, they tend to, you know, be pretty solid and, and, and they put their, they, what I like, they had little, just one, two sentence blurb about each player and they put their tool grades on there and it's, it's, it's nice. It makes sense. 
and it, it was a solid list. I thought uh, Mize came in at 16 on that list, I think, which was uh, probably as high as you're going to see him anywhere. Uh, but they, you know, they liked him as the number one pick in the draft, so that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and then Manning Manning was 50, which right. made sense. And then they had Paredes in the in the back half of the 100, which is uh, a step up for them because this is the first time he's been in the top 100. So, yeah, I thought it made sense. I thought it was solid. It 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 shows you that the Tigers do have some interesting prospects, but it also shows you that that you know they've got a long way to go. You mentioned the Rays and the Padres both had nine players in there. Um, and, and remember the Rays were competing last year, or at least playing well. They they couldn't compete with a division where there were two 100-win teams. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. You, you could probably take the Baseball America uh, Top 100 list different ways if you wanted. If you want to be a, a pessimist, you say, well, geez, this is this rebuild's not going great. But uh, you could also look at it and say, hey, that's three, three future players that the Tigers can count on. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you know, the thing is, especially with Paris, who comes in at 94, um, the body question, which we talked to Jason about too, and he went in length about that. And, you know, we've heard the uh, the joking around among, uh, which is part of a new segment, which is called Slide into Our DMs. Um, and the whole Juan Uribe comparison, which I'll take that any day of the week. But no, and even the Reds got some love on this list too. The Reds' uh, system is getting better after being kind of depleted for a long time. So, of course, the Dodgers doing what they do best, and they're getting some guys in there too. Um, but either way, I think th- this is a list that, comparatively speaking, you go to the baseball prospects, one, uh, one, one, top 101, um, you know, to give that the little extra you know, kick to. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've always done though, that one extra player just, I think, for fun, probably because I, mean, I think some of the people who, who started that were uh, – Originally at Baseball America, so they probably wanted to make it just a little bit different. Yeah, and there, and, and, and outside of the Tigers, Chris, was there any surprises to you? Um, Kyler Murray comes in at one one, which kind of cracked me up a little bit. But uh, was well, there any uh, one that come out any of the this number, any guys that stood out to you in this list? Yeah, there were a lot. I, I mean, when I first looked at the list, I was like, "This is batshit." Um, <laughs> no, I, I say that. I mean, I mean, it, I've talked before about like, what's the point of these lists if everybody's are, is exactly the same? Uh, and so it's nice. I, I, it's nice that they do some things differently. Like they had Joe Adele as the number two prospect. That's higher than you're going to see. You know, he's he's going to be a top ten prospect everywhere. But they had him number two ahead of like Fernando Tatis and Eloy Jimenez. And I like that. I like that's that's interesting. To go on a line right there, and and uh, he's a stud no matter what. Um, but stuff like that is cool. But I mean, it's supposed to be ostensibly a list that that favors upside. So kind of the opposite of Baseball America. But. Uh, that just doesn't really hold true to me when you see somebody like, I mean, Nick Madrigal, I like Nick Madrigal a lot. He, he could be a 70 hitter with, you know, plus plus speed playing above average defense at second base. That could be a really good player, but that's like the ceiling. And even if he reaches that, he might not be a guy who walks at all or hits for any power. Um, and that just, that seems like a really high floor player to me rather than, a high ceiling player, and they have him fifteenth. They have him like twenty spots ahead of Mize. Uh, maybe it, you know, maybe they'll be proven correctly. It just—it's one of those things that didn't sit well with me at first. They had Alex Verdugo, who I've never been a huge fan of. Um, not that I've seen him live, so what the hell do I know? But uh, he's always just been kind of like a. When he came out of the draft, there was questions about if he was going to be a pitcher or a hitter, and the Dodgers took him as a hitter, and he's been, you know, a, a solid player in the minors who who hits for average but he doesn't have a lot of speed he's never really hit for much power and he's probably a right fielder and it's just like you put that guy in the top 20 it it's i mean i don't know aside from the hit tool like what's different about him than than daz cameron um and, and daz probably has him beat in in the rest of the tools so it's other than the arm so, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me in that list. They had uh, – it's the lowest you'll see someone like Alex Kirilov. I think they had him 39th. Uh, other other places are going to have him top 20. Um, they had Leody Tavares, who – I think they had him 47th or something like that. And he's for, for people who don't know, he's a, a center fielder in the Rangers system. Really tooled up. Always been younger than his competition. But – He's been a below average hitter 
for each of the, each of the last two seasons. And it's it's like, you know, I mean, part of scouting is 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 trusting the tools, but at some point you've got to assume that these guys need to start producing. And so I thought uh, I thought that was a bit high. But again, again, if you're uh, if you're banking only on upside, then I suppose that makes some sense. Uh, and then right after that, so they have Ryan Mountcastle, um, who I actually got to see a little bit this year because he played uh, for Bowie, and and we, our favorite announcer there at Bowie, Snagglepuss. Um, and so I, I was joking that maybe him, maybe his voice just made me hate all the Orioles players I saw prospects. Uh, but I was not impressed with Mountcastle at all. I mean, this is you know watching TV short small samples probably not the best way. He can hit. And, and he's got a, a solid body, and he might add some power. But, man, I, I don't know if he has a defensive position. He's playing third base. There's talk about him moving to left field, but he's got, like, a 30-arm. It's like a Kristen Stewart defensive kit. Oh, boy. Like, 30-arm, 30, 30, 30 field. Yeah. Um, And they have him listed like a top 50 prospect. And I'm just like, ha. Ah. Like, you know, I know Isaac Paredes uh, isn't going to be a gold glover, but he's probably going to stick on the dirt. At third base, uh, maybe second base, maybe third base, um, and he can hit, and he's got some power. I mean, it might not be plus power, it might not be plus hit, but it's going to be average at least. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm, just I'm, one, one of those lists that that, that I, you can poke holes in all day uh, if you really want to. I was going to say, you know, didn't have Matt Manning on the list, but they'll have uh, Shane Baz, who's got pretty nasty stuff, but. Uh, serious control issues it's he's like matt manning was two years ago and it's like all right you put him on the list they have him ahead of like matt libertor and i don't know just uh, a lot of a lot of different things and i i you know i shared those questions with with mark over at uh at tykestown because he you know he works at bp too and he he had you know a lot of answers for it but it's still just a list that didn't really sit well with me well even justice uh, justice sheffield who went over to seattle this year from the yankees comes in at number 50. Um, but I've never – the thing about the Orioles too, Chris, is that I am not convinced – you talk about bad farm systems. We could talk about the Tigers, and, and I know the Orioles are changing their ways, and uh, there's a lot of excitement to a, to what excitement to, there is to a degree in Baltimore about the way they're changing. But that system – you talk about in terms of what the Tigers have been able to produce here and there in the last 20 years, the Orioles have not produced anything at all if you really if you really think about it in terms of like just pure overall talent outside of some relievers here and there and then Manny Machado of course but Chris that system's been barren for like since is it safe to say almost since uh Peter Angelos took over the team in the mid 90s cuz i i can't think of i'm trying to think of like really good drafts they've had and i i for the life of me i can't you know i mean i, mean, I know it's a little late so pardon me for not having a lot of research on this but i feel like the Orioles systems have been bleak for a very long time well, you're not a big fan of the Eric Bedard, Daniel Cabrera years. Oh yeah, um, no, those are those are fantastic. Man. Well, Rene Gonzalez, man. I mean, Bedard, Bedard was solid. Yeah, no, they they haven't. Uh, you mentioned Machado. I mean, that was kind of. Uh, I mean, I suppose they could have taken Jamison Tyon instead of him, but uh, maybe no, maybe they couldn't. I think they picked third, and Tyon went second. Um, yeah, it. They really haven't done great work in the draft. They. they, they no international. They a, a no international money. What's that? No international money. They never spend it. No, not, uh, they, they finally are, are this year, or they're trying to. Um, like you said, they're changing their ways. But, yeah, for a long time it was not a, uh, not a particularly good system. You know, D.L. Hall is an interesting uh, left-handed pitching prospect. He was tied to the Tigers uh, a couple of years ago, but then Fado dropped to them, and I think they had Fado graded higher. Uh, now D.L. Hall is a top 100 prospect, and Fado isn't, so what do you know? Um, but, yeah, they... I'm trying to remember, you know, they, they, Matt Wieters they took with the first overall pick, and he ended up being a good major leaguer, but never quite what he was hyped up to be. And I'm trying to remember, they had another, they had like a top five pick one year and just absolutely fucking blew it. I'm trying to remember who it was. It was like Matt Hobgood, something like that. Um, you know, Kevin Gossman was solid for him. But again, this is like, like, if you hit on top ten picks, does that really make you good at all? I don't know. Um so they had Austin Hayes had some some helium last year, but kind of fell off a cliff, or heading into last year and fell off a cliff. They had DJ Stewart, 
who had one of the weirdest batting stances you'll ever see. He actually, I think he put up like a twenty twenty season. Last yeah, year, but, but it was it was it was Hopgood in two thousand nine. Uh, the high, he was a high schooler. There was there was a high schooler who, yeah, there yeah that was yeah it was 19, it was two thousand nine, and then yeah I mean he's one of those guys like I I could try to one of the fun things I do for myself because I'm a nerd is like I I like to look at how quickly first round picks fall out of like the baseball America top 30. And I think it took him one year. Wow. Maybe two. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was, there was a back before the Cubs were solid. They, they took a guy in the first round too, that was gone after one year. And it's just like, uh, it's, it's so crazy when you miss on a top 10 pick like that. So let's talk about the, uh, so. the you know, they, they, they were, you know what, Chris, I forgot about this too. They got stuck with the rice curse. They got Wade Townsend, 2004. Wade Townsend, yeah. Yeah, Wade Townsend. Um, did, did they sign him? I, feel I don't like they might not have signed. I him. don't think they signed him. Um, but then you know they even here's the thing that blew my mind, and I forgot, completely forgot about this. They signed a, the, I think it was I think it was Snyder. It was a high school. They had a high school. They picked a high school catcher thirteen. Brand, Brandon Snyder. Yeah, that was that blew my mind that that. Even then, I mean, that's rare to have a high school kid, high school catcher go that high, right? I mean, that, that's what I thought at the time. It was, yeah, and I think he ended up uh, moving to third base and then first base. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, sometimes it's fun to point your finger and uh, and uh, laugh at other teams, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say the Tigers were much better. It's just you're right. I think the Orioles not a particularly gifted system, and and I don't know. I. I that's one of those things. Like, I I don't want to shit all over somebody else's list because I am not out there making a top 100 list. It's a hard process, uh, and I you know I don't have the scouting or evaluation chops really to do that. But I study a lot of this stuff. You know, I, I pay attention to all the lists and then try to keep up with the scouts when I can and evaluators. And it just it didn't. A lot of it felt. I don't. It, sort of like hey, uh, these are I. Ranking players that they saw higher than players they didn't see, or just being different to be different. Um, and hey, it's it's their site. It's what they can do what they want to do. Maybe they're just trying to spur a conversation. Maybe they really believe it. Maybe they'll be right. But it just it felt like a a a bad list to me, to to put it succinctly. No, I mean it. It has some points to it. It just to me, I can't. Just to give a really quick thought about it, honestly, it's it's just I I know enough to know that like the, the certain to notice the subtle differences between the lists where I kind of see the same names over and over again, and, and there's not much of a change. But I'm if a list can make a case like Prospects Live did on the top thirty and make their case, like even for example, like just the the getting to know more of these like guys who are they're toolsy that have the upside to have the athletic ability. Jason talked about this tonight about athleticism and those things. It's kind of, to me, when I see a list that has kind of more of those guys too, it, 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 to me, at least they're taking a chance and putting it out there versus just keeping it traditional and keeping the same old names. Yeah. No, and, and I think one of my complaints about it was that it was just a list. It wasn't, they didn't have any explanations for stuff. I think an explanation can go a long way. If you say, hey, this is what we liked about this guy, this is what we saw, then I go, okay. But when it's just a list, you kind of go, all right, so you really, you'd really take Dustin May over uh, Matt Manning? I mean, maybe, uh, but they have him as like a top 30 pick, and it's like, uh, I would like to know why. Um, and that, this is coming from somebody who a couple years ago tweeted that I could see Dustin May being better than Matt Manning. And that was mostly me just being cynical and comparing the Dodgers to the, the Tigers in terms of development. But it's just like sometimes I just feel the need for uh, explanation, and it wasn't there. So, And I didn't read their chat, so maybe they, they explained everything in the chat. Uh, but I don't know. And, and I, I want, want to make clear, like, I don't care that there was only one Tigers prospect on the list. I think you could make an argument for that. You could make an argument that, that Manning – needs to take a big step up, needs to get a third pitch, needs to take a step up with his command. You can argue that Paredes, um, uh, you know, he might not hit enough. And if he plays poor defense in the infield, then, you know, it, it might not be good enough. Uh, there are arguments for all that. It's just, just felt like a lot of the names were 
kind of uh, out of order and wacky. But they did they did throw in some uh, names you won't see elsewhere, which is which is kind of cool. I mean, and there was the, the other one that kind of bothered me. You know, I don't really know how to think about this. Is, is Suli Matias, who we talked about on the show, the Royals prospect, just massive, eighty grade raw power, hit hit thirty one bombs in Low A this year, I think, which you don't see very often. But he also had like a 36% strikeout rate and a 6% walk rate. And it's like, how often do guys like that make it to the majors even? Uh, um, now maybe, so this is where I just would like, like some explanation. Is he, is he striking out so much because he's just swinging from his ass at everything? Is, he, is there, are there pitch recognition issues? What's the deal there? Right. But like to me, you're hoping, like your ceiling is, is the guy becomes Joey Gallo and that's, that's a, a difficult needle to thread because you have to, he's going to have to pick up the walks and keep that strikeout rate there or lower as he moves up like five levels uh, while still holding for power. And it's just like, I mean, I, I get that there's a big ceiling there, but man, what are the odds he reaches it? It seems really low to me. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading just based on the stats about the scouts. So I don't know. No, it, it, you know what, and Chris, the thing is, too, is, uh, for me at least, is the ability to have, um, I, I don't know how to put this, if you're going to have, like, you talk about, like, let me ask you this, in terms of, like, somebody as myself who, as a, more like a, a guy who knows baseball, who know mm-hmm. understands it, but if you're if you're looking at it from like a, a fan point of view, and you always say this, and, and you guys talked about this with Chipman before too, look at me on the box score. If you're looking at numbers like when Tiger fans got like for example like this, uh, you know the the block deference stuff, and and Jason mm-hmm. pointed out tonight or pointed out earlier, what is something that you could, there? What is one? Has there been one definitive thing that you could look at and go, okay? This is where you can say, you know what, there's something there. Is there one thing that stands out that a fan could look at casually and look at something and they could say, all right, I, I, I could see some promise here that is consistent or no? Just from, from like, statistics yeah, point of view? From, yeah, from a statistics point of view, correct. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing uh, that, that I always look at uh, is, is strikeout rate, strikeout percentage. Um, because it tends to go up as you go higher levels and, uh, and the walk rate tends to go down. And so when you see guys who strike out and, and don't walk a lot, it's, it's like, all right, you're going to like something big needs to change. And, and again, that's not every one of those guys is, is built the same. Some guys just need to alter their approach a little bit or they're a little too passive or a little too aggressive and they can change it. Other guys, there's just holes in the swing that are never going to get fixed. Even Moya is a great example. He was super tall and he had a ton of holes in his swing and he struck out a lot. He had massive power, but he struck out a lot. And it, that would have been fine if he had walked, but he never walked either um, because you could strike him out by throwing strikes. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, when I see a guy who's got a, a relatively low strikeout rate, just like Isaac Paredes, for example, he's got a, like a league, a below league average strikeout rate, an above league average walk rate. That that generally tells me that uh, that he's going to be able to find some success at higher levels. It doesn't guarantee anything. Like just looking for guys with with strikeout walk rates that are good, uh, it's not going to lead you to prospects, uh, and probably most of the time it won't uh, lead you to prospects at all. But it's like that's that's the one thing I look at that makes me go, okay, this might be serious. This this guy might be able to to hit. And for pitchers, it's kind of the same way. I'd like to look. If you're striking guys out and not walking guys, then I feel like uh, you've you've got a pretty good chance to su- succeed at higher levels. But again, you, you've got to be conscious of how old the player is, what kind of repertoire he has. We talk all the time about the college lefties who uh, dominate in the Midwest League. Like I, I, I look at what uh, Adam Wolf does in West Michigan next year as a prime example. The Adam Wolf, I think, was their fifth round pick this year out of Louisville. He's a lefty. He's got uh, like four 
average pitches with a, like an above average cutter. If he goes to West Michigan, he's just going to dominate. And uh, but he in the end, he might not be a guy who could even reach the majors. So it really it's really tough to just pick out one stat. But I think strikeouts and walks are probably better than the other stats you might find. But then, of course, <laughs> you got to look at power numbers. And yeah, Roger, I failed at answering this question. And I apologize. Uh, you're you're good, dude. No, I I, I yeah. It, it's like it, that was something that I've always. I think trying to clear that up a little bit for fans out there is to when to pump the brakes or not. And I I I know I've gotten better about it uh, in the last you know in the last six or seven years of just doing podcasts. But like I said, I, I kind of want to get to the level of scouting where like Jason and like just. I've been able to do that too with like just remembering all the, like it's like almost all of a sudden all that muscle memory of playing baseball and and just it, it comes back to you you know what I mean like and then you start picking up on those kind of tendencies where you're like okay yeah that guy's when he's winding up he's opening it up himself up too much or when he's planting mm-hmm. down he's not generating enough drive and and that that much data out there kind of recycles that or kind of circles back your memory a little bit so. Yeah, you know, it, it's like anything else, man. The more you get into it, the more you see it, the better you get. Um, but there's always there's always new wrinkles. Like nobody saw Jose Ramirez coming. Uh, that's like a scouting thing that people are trying to compensate for now. Is, is these kids who don't hit for much power, but make contact in the low minors. Like, is, could this be one of those Ramirez or Ozzy Albies guys who, who gets to the majors and suddenly unlocks the power and it's like a legit player? It's it's there's always always a, an exception to the rules that you think you had had down. Like, you know, I even mentioned, I mentioned the strikeout and walk stuff. You look at that, look at someone like Dixon Machado who always controlled the strike zone pretty well, but never had any power, couldn't hit for power. And he got to the majors and, and that's what did him in. He couldn't impact the ball at all. And so there was just, you know, pitchers had no problem getting him out. And it's, uh, yeah, there's just a, just a series of different checks you have to cross, and or uh, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense che- crossing checks, but uh, cross checker. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know. That's it. it just it it's it's better to rely on the scouting reports. I will say that, uh, even though they can be uh, hilariously wrong sometimes too. Yeah, absolutely. It's. It, yeah, it, to have those kind of lists and have the debate, and that's what we had tonight. So we had plenty of debate between uh, with Jason and then our, uh, just overall in our slider DM segment. So that was some of the stuff we talked about. There was a lot of debate on their back and forth. It was like watching a Dragon Ball Z fight earlier, just going back and forth, a constant <laughs> rapid that bad you know, what's, what's up? I, I've, never, I've never seen Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. or uh, what's uh... – or like Naruto, yeah. but I have to write about this shit constantly. They they they're like there are four or five different games that come out every year, and so I'm like, what the hell is a Super Saiyan attack? And like I, I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where I probably should should watch the shows or play the games one time, but uh, I don't really want to. That. Well, anime, takes, manga it, stuff never really got in, got to me. And, well, it, it takes up from your bas- baseball time. Like Battle Angels coming out next month, and I'm looking forward to it because I've seen the original anime, and I, I, I've you know, I can go on. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> I think we've wait, this is a conclusion. It's just truly this has been an epic one of the uh, outside of our mega podcast. This is probably one of the longest podcast times ever. I, I started at 8:30. It's five after midnight on. Thursday, January twenty fourth. So, oh my god, I didn't realize that. Yeah, Sorry. no, no, dude, it, it it's fine, man. I mean, people people dig the content, so uh, we're definitely out of time. And thank you for listening to Tigers SRD on SportsRealDetroit.com. and of course our friends powered by the Overtime Media Network. And again, you can find us at Tigstown SportsRealDetroit.com, all the different podcasts. The Jason Woodall stuff we'll have for you available on a separate podcast. So. Check that out. Rate and review us. We appreciate it. We got the review from Carl Coffey. Carl, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Big fan of the show. He's been uh, listening for a while. And uh, everybody, thank you. Again, and also thank you to Mark for making this happen, too. Mark, uh, getting some yeah, behind the scenes. The, our promoter. Yeah, our promoter. Uh, Developer. I might as well call him my manager at this point. I'm, I actually just call Mark the manager. And, uh, you know, yeah. you can you can, you can can pimp somebody else, and you'll know the inside joke behind that comment. So um, <laughs> he's working on calling you uh, Leon from, from, from your enthusiasm. Yeah, Larry. You are you need, Leon. You need to get an ass, Larry. I don't know what, why, but 
Yeah, I know. Like, I don't know either, but I'm I'm that's a nickname I can get behind that does not involve my race that I'm perfectly fine with, quite frankly. Um, so, uh, either way, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, next week, by the way, our recording schedule has changed a little bit. You'll see a show on Friday. Brandon Day, uh, bless you boys, will be joining us. Uh, it's been a while since we had Brandon on, admittedly. Um, but we need to bring back the Brandon train. And then, come up in February, we're going to be starting our, we're going to look around the AL Central, and we'll probably have, uh, Seth, uh, bros on, or Seth, um, the guy from the Twins Daily. I think we're just going to bring him back on. Seth yeah, Stowe's, I think it was. Yeah, Seth Stowe's. Yeah, Seth Stowe's. We're going to contact him. Uh, we're due for a Dan Hasty appearance, too. So there's going to be, we got some, oh, yeah. we got some big guests lined up, too. And hopefully we get somebody, uh, I want to get some AL East people in here. And there's this guy, Justin Gonzalez, who I, I'm a fan of on, um, on Twitter, too, that I'm thinking about aiming for. So for that, until then, we'll see you next time.